Hello, and welcome to the Purdue Agriculture Economics Podcast, the podcast for experts and innovators in agriculture. My name is Abby Meyer, and on today's episode, Dr. Foster and I discuss food waste with Dr. Ellison. Stay tuned. Hello, you're listening to the Purdue Agricultural Economics Podcast. I'm Ken Foster, Professor of Agricultural Economics and your host, and with me is my co-host, Abby Meyer. Abby, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you, Dr. Foster? I'm doing great. Hey, yesterday was Halloween. How was that? Halloween was a lot of fun. Awesome. I didn't do anything yesterday. I had a lot of homework to catch up on. Over the weekend? Yeah. A little Halloween party. So, did you have a costume this year? Yes, I was Velma. Oh, wow. Okay, very good. Well, from the Scooby Gang. Okay, so. Mystery Squad, whatever it's called. So, were there others dressed up with you, or you like the the whole gang? Yeah, I was with a few of the other Central Committee members for Rising Professionals. We were this Mystery Gang. Awesome. That's fantastic. That sounds like a great set of costumes. I wish I could have seen that. (laughs) Very good. Well, hey, we are here with our guest today, Dr. Brenna. Ellison, and Dr. Ellison is an associate professor in agricultural economics, but she's also the director of our undergraduate programs in agricultural economics. Brenna, how are you this morning? I'm doing good. How are you all? I'm doing great. Tell us a little bit about uh, your background, because you're relatively new here at Purdue. Yes, this is just starting my second year at Purdue, but you know, quite a journey before then. I grew up in Texas, and so I did my undergraduate studies in agribusiness at Abilene Christian University, and then I migrated a little bit further north to Oklahoma and did my master's and PhD at Oklahoma State University. And then I worked at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign for about nine years in the agricultural and consumer economics department. So new to Purdue, but not necessarily new to to research and academia, but excited to be here. Fantastic. And this job of director of undergraduate programs in agricultural economics is pretty big. How many students are studying in agricultural economics now? We have a little bit over 450. The numbers kind of vary depending on how you want to count double majors, but we're between 450 and 500. So we're doing pretty good. I believe we're the second largest department in terms of undergraduate students in the College of Ag. That's fantastic. And just for our listeners, Dr. Ellison has the chore of supervising our advisors and supervising all of the curricular activities in the department and making sure professors show up to teach those classes and making sure that the students stay on progress. So we really thank you for that great job. Fun job. I love being a professor because (laughs) uh, the opportunity to interact with the students is just really special. Awesome. So you have been very active in research related to food waste. How significant is this problem in the United States, and what are some of the consequences that come from it? Well, the magnitude of food waste is a little difficult to quantify. Depending on which organization, like USDA, EPA, or even FAO that you might look at, everyone's definition is slightly different, and so estimates vary accordingly. In general, in the U.S., the estimate that most often gets stated is between 30 to 40 percent of our food that is produced for consumption is wasted. So a pretty big number. Some of the consequences of that, as you can imagine, first, economic. When we grow food, it's not for free. There's large economic consequences. Even all of us as consumers, if you buy stuff at the grocery store and don't eat it and throw it out, that hurts your personal pocketbook. There's also environmental consequences. So the large majority of food that gets wasted is 
into the landfill. And so there's methane emissions associated with that. That's the most concerning part when we think about things like global warming and climate change. And then there's also the societal perspective. We know that not only is food waste a problem, but so is food insecurity in the U.S. with around between 10 and 12 percent households being food insecure. To say that solving food waste can solve food insecurity in the short term is probably not appropriate, right? We can't redistribute all potential wasted food and feed all hungry people. But if we can reduce food waste, we can improve long-term food insecurity by protecting very limited, right, precious natural resources like land, water, energy, and so on. Yeah, and I think people forget that, you know, a lot of resources went into producing that food, the land, the labor of the farmers, the fertilizer and everything, all of that could either not be used and used by future generations or used to produce food for people today. So I commend you for tackling this because it's a really challenging, broad problem. I've taken a look at a couple of your papers, so I know that you have examined various ideas for solving food waste. So maybe just outline what you think some of the more interesting potential solutions. There are lots of solutions depending on what part of the supply chain you're looking at. Food waste happens from farm to fork. My research focuses a lot on how can we address household or consumer food waste. I would say some of the most common strategies for reducing that, you know, education campaigns are something people always bring up. I think it it sounds nice and is relatively easy to implement, but at least my research in college dining halls doesn't really give a lot of optimism that education alone is enough. But there's also changing your environment, doing some different nudges. So we've also done experiments in dining halls where we change the plate shape and plate size and just reducing that size by 8 to 10%, we can get triple the waste reduction that we could with an education campaign, for example. So there are some environmental things that we can change that can improve food waste outcomes. Some of the big things that I would say are more industry focused would be changing date labels. So if you go to the grocery store and buy food, there's use by, best buy sell by and the reality is most of us don't know how to interpret them so grocery store and food manufacturers are trying to voluntarily come down to a two labeling scheme so best buy would be a signal of quality if you think of cheerios cheerios don't ever really go bad but (laughs) then the best buy date would signal for your personal enjoyment before they get kind of chewy you should eat them by this date (laughs) some of us like chewy cheerios come on (laughs) right And then the use by date would be more of a a signal of safety. So you can think about that more on meat or dairy. Even still, there's not really federal guidelines on how those dates are applied. The only thing that is actually regulated is baby formula in terms of some sort of expiration date. So really educating consumers on how to use sensory cues and things like that is also pretty important. If you think kind of other levers you could pull to kind of adjust food waste we could talk about improving technology and food packaging to keep food where it can last longer have longer shelf life we can talk about adjusting portion sizes particularly at restaurants or i would say having half loaves of bread in the store is really nice for smaller households they don't have to buy a whole loaf of bread if they can't get through it so there's lots of things like that Higher up in the chain, you can talk about building out infrastructure for community composting, anaerobic digestion, all sorts of things like that. And at the farm level, we have seen USDA offering some value-added grants for producers to figure out what they can do with surplus product or products from some of their productions. So I guess one of the challenges associated with this issue of changing packaging is that probably has a consequence on price and might actually adversely affect some of the most food insecure people in our 
economy. Right, potentially, although grocery stores put a lot of pressure on their suppliers to not have large price differences, but certainly we can see some of that. There are some really interesting new technologies like different coatings they can put on avocados and bananas and tomatoes where it can extend shelf life yeah, pretty extensively. Good. One factor I forgot to mention that should not go unmentioned is just the cosmetic standards we have in the supply chain in terms of generating waste. As consumers, we like to all see pretty fruits and vegetables in the grocery <laughs> store. At least grocery stores blame that preference for why we have so much food waste and why less attractive fruits and vegetables don't make it on the shelf and end up elsewhere. So you mentioned quite a few solutions to this problem. So what does your research tell us about either the feasibility of these working or how do they need to be amended to improve their potential to work? Right. So like I said, we spend a lot of time on education campaigns, but I would argue it's not enough. We need to teach people how to change and adjust behaviors, not just educate them. Teaching them about managing food inventories and those sorts of things. I'm actually on an NSF grant now where we're building an education curriculum that not only tries to teach about the food system, but also improv cooking and how do you replicate what I would consider my mom or my grandma's ability to look in the pantry and make something. I lost that skill. It does not happen for me, but we're looking at trying to reteach people how to do that in an effort to not only reduce food waste, but also hopefully teach better nutritional habits too, because we know eating at home leads to better dietary outcomes as well. So, you know, doing more than just saying you should do this, like actually showing someone how to do it. The other thing that I would say in general is it's hard because people are averse to change. So sometimes those small environmental adjustments can actually be really effective that they may not even notice. So those can probably be pretty dramatic. In college settings, for instance, a lot of Dining facilities just remove the trays. It's annoying at first if you knew they existed, but once you've cycled out of those students, no one even realizes they aren't there, and that's actually a pretty dramatic way to reduce waste. So I know you looked at people's willingness to shop more frequently to reduce their food waste at home. Can you highlight a little bit of what you discovered there? One of the suggestions for reducing food waste is to adopt more of a just-in-time shopping system. I think of this more as a European style where people like to go to a local market, you know, every day, every other day. In the U.S., that's not really a model that many of us follow shopping. Maybe if you're in an urban center where walking's easy, but a lot of us do not exhibit those sorts of grocery shopping patterns. We ran an experiment to try to find out if people would actually increase their grocery shopping frequency, if it would reduce food waste, and the answer is on average, no. (laughs) The average person would need to be paid $20 to take one extra trip a week to the grocery store. So I mean, there is heterogeneity, but in general, the average person is not not terribly excited to do more grocery shopping. I remember when we lived in Denmark, I think one of the things that motivated us shopping more often, one, the grocery store was just, you know, a few blocks away, but the refrigerator was tiny, the cupboards were small, and there just wasn't space to store up a year's worth of food like we do here. That's also a big difference. And we've seen in COVID, it perhaps has been even worse as people really went hard to buy more deep freezes and things like that. Yeah, we hoarded up our food (laughs) in case the apocalypse was really here. So what can Purdue students and professors do on campus to help with this problem? I think being aware that it happens and talking about it, even though education is hard at changing behavior, if we don't have awareness, we can't even get to a point of behavior change. So talking about it is important. If we think about the dining facilities, I have been in them here 
Paris. They don't allow trace, so they're already on a good start there. One thing that's really interesting at dining facilities and is kind of a point of contention across university campuses is how much food to offer. There's this dual problem of we want students to come eat here. That's the whole point. We want to attract them. Dining halls are often a recruitment tool at universities, but that increased variety typically is associated with higher waste. And so how do we come up with kind of an optimized menu and how many things we offer? I would say the other thing that we can do is work on tracking it. Some campuses are really good at tracking what's wasted. Without tracking it, it's hard to do anything about it when you don't know the magnitude of what's happening. More personally at home, I really try to focus on better planning. And part of that is just being realistic about what my week looks like. I know on Thursdays, for instance, my son has soccer. I'm not going to cook that night. So to plan and say that I was going to is just silly, right? So I should not buy food as if I'm going to cook on Thursday night. It's okay to go eat out and just need to plan accordingly. So that's something more personally I try to do at home. All right. Any other thoughts on reducing food waste that we haven't talked about? The only thing I was going to say is just that the U.S. has a goal to cut food waste in half by 2030. So it's a daunting task. That would be awesome if we could do that. It's on (laughs) us, right? I mean, this is a really interesting, difficult economic problem because, you know, rationally, we, we shouldn't be buying more food than we know we can consume, but we seem to do it anyway. Right, for so many reasons. Some of it is we want to be good providers. If you're having company over, no one wants to not have enough food. There's that concern. There's just so many reasons why we do it. Some of it is almost like insurance in general. Like if you grew up in a house that didn't have enough and now you have the means to afford it, you want to have it, right? There's so many different things. Some of us just don't want to get sick. Some of us are really averse. So when you see a date label that's been passed or even smells a little off, we throw it out because that's easier than taking the risk of getting sick and missing class or missing work and things like that. All right. You've been listening to the Purdue Agricultural Economics Podcast. You can visit the department at www.agecon.purdue.edu. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter. Thanks and have a great, great fall.